0: Good day, everybody, and welcome to episode six of Rare and Resilient, one in five thousand podcast. And this is a podcast I've been really looking forward to it because I'm going to be interview my fa- favourite family from America. We've got Aiden, Dave, and Michelle De Threes, and Aiden's thirteen years old. You that thirteen, still Aiden, or fourteen now? Fourteen. Fourteen. Just turned fourteen in yeah. April. Okay, that's good. And what we're going to do, Aiden's, each of the guys have uh, written their story in the book, and Aiden's going to read his story now, and it's going to be a pleasure to listen to you, Aiden. So go for it, mate. It all started on April 18, 2007,
1: 14 years ago. I was born with IA, and I didn't know it yet, but my life was about to get a whole lot crazier. On April 20th, two days later, I had my first surgery. It was a colostomy treatment that a lot of people have um, with my condition. I don't remember most of, you know, from that time, but I uh, do remember attending a PTN convention. That's where I met a bunch of people with my condition and learned that I wasn't actually the only one that had it. And I was confused, but I got the premise pretty quickly because I was with a bunch of people and I just figured that it was pretty normal. The first surgery, I remember, was in first grade. I believe I was around six and it was to get my Malone. Uh, The only things I remember was uh, having a button for painkillers and a fear of going into a swimming pool. The Youth Rally is what made the biggest impression on me. It's one, it's the one place where everyone gets uh, what we're going through. Youth Rally is a camp that moves on a rotating schedule. It goes to uh, Boulder, Seattle, San Diego, and just repeats that. The camp takes place at a college campus, and we stay in dorms, uh, usually with a roommate. When you're there, you meet up with uh, your group for the week. The groups are organized by age, so most of the time... You have a wide range of conditions in one group during the week. They have fun events every night as well as support groups for self-esteem, condition, treatment, etc. At the end of the week, there's a big party and graduation for senior campers, which is always an emotional experience for everyone there. The next morning, everyone gets on a bus or picked up by their parents or family. This year we had our youth rally on zoom It was a new but fun experience for everyone involved. It had its own set of new challenges that we all overcame and managed to have a fantastic week. I hope that next time we can all see each other in person, but this year I'm pretty sure we're on Zoom again. (laughs) In recent years, I've had a couple surgeries and I'd like to thank Dr. Pena, Dr. Bischoff, Dr. Levitt, Dr. Wood, Dr. Ching, and Dr. Anderson for all their help. For anyone going, through surgeries for IA, hang in there. It gets better.
0: Well done, mate. That was fantastic. And especially paying tribute to the wonderful doctors that have treated you over the time. uh, That's great. And just for other kids will listen to you talk there and they'll just get so much hope and be able to understand that you can get through no matter what. And meeting other people at the PTN and the youth rally, I can tell how much it's changed your life. So, that's great, Aiden. I really appreciate it. And now we're going to be joined by Dave, Aiden's dad. Here's his is story number ninety-four in the book. So, Dave, take it away, mate.
2: So, the title of this is uh, "This Is All I Got, Kid." And I, I wrote this basically. The pers- perspective I was trying to do was was just from how you know all these terms get thrown at you you know, and, and you're just learning, you're, you're on this crash course. And you know, what, what you realize afterwards is, you know, what's deeply underneath all the the medical jargon and everything is just a human family and just trying to get through it all. So this is all I got kid. The woman was sweating and out of breath switching positions. She tossed the plastic baby around like a pair of nunchucks. Her job, a parting shot before we left the hospital was to demonstrate proper newborn care. It was laughable, useless, made even more so because our son had been born quote unquote different. Yeah, I know that's vague, but it was then confronted with being a first time dad. I realized that I had no idea how to be a good dad, especially to a kid with an uphill battle. How could I help him overcome the setbacks his body left on his doorstep? You want me to stay stoma and imperfect anus and Malone? That's about as much as I'm willing to reveal. Frankly, I've Attended countless medical lectures throughout my son's life, and I'm kind of done with describing things using medical terminology. After a week in the, end, in the NICU, uh, my boy was coming home with a colostomy bag, and I couldn't be prouder. While family members secretly gasped at his condition, I remember looking at him, his body a tentacled mess of cords and lines, and just smiling, just so happy to meet my son. He was just a concept last week. Now, here he was. Upon arriving home, my wife and I realized that we were in way over our heads. Yeah, colostomy bag. They gave us like two or three bags and seals. The seals are the critical matter. They fail and there's poop everywhere. All I knew was that it was our job to keep them clean. The objective was simple. Cover the red bulbous openings that erupted throughout the day by gluing a bag to his stomach. The first weekend, we ran out of supplies. I can't even remember what we did to mitigate that, but my wife can remember the details. Me, I just remember thinking, I got to get good at this. I could always tell my wife's tone, the terrified pitch, even whispered that pierced the room, mall, or party saying, it happened. We had a bag with scissors, powder, adhesive patches, and prep wipes for the seals. Uh, More stuff too, but I forget. At first, we were a mess. We were nervous and made mistakes, but over time, we got good at it. I think I was better at changing his colostomy bag, but that may be my ego speaking, my need to be the dad, quote unquote. All I know is that when shit went down or out, my blood pressure dropped, sound and movement minimized, and the only thing that existed was my son. Changing bags became meditative in a way, and when his colostomy was reversed at nine months, I was never so happy to unlearn something, to forget a hard won skill. Even so, I look back on that ability with pride but I've always felt like I didn't measure up to my wife's contributions to our family over his 13 years. I've been in awe of my wife's abilities, her command of scheduling and corresponding with doctors and hospitals, her bulldog like tenacity with insurance companies and the way she continually pushes my boy to develop social connections and new skills. She is the first person he runs to when sick. Her love seems endless, but even more so I am humbled by her quote unquote momness eternally mysterious creatures, I can never be one, never fill that void if she ever left this world. So again, since I can never replace that, how do I be the best dad to him? Despite the serious nature of his condition, I hope when my son looks back on his life, he sees the humor in all of it, in how we all coped as a family. My boy's strong spirit has carried him through over 12 operations and procedures. It might be more, but I lose the count. While his friends complained of homework and screen time limitations, he complained about standing up after spinal surgery. While other kids made decisions about whether to go outside or play inside, my son made the decision uh, of whether to remove one of his kidneys or not. Really tough for a kid to face. If he focuses too much on his condition, he may never be happy. Right now, he's 14 in eighth grade in middle school hell, where kids judge you like it's a sport. And he's not immune to his peer scrutiny. He is more shy than his elementary school self, but at heart, I see the way he laughs at a situation, observing his contemporaries with sharper focus than they can muster. He's intelligent, he's witty and ironic. He quotes stuff I've never heard before and is able to make me laugh too. I'll never really know, never really parsed out my contribution from the countless others in his life, but I think where one would worry, I instead laughed at the seemingly devastating social situations. So as he grew up, I tried to distract him, finding the poignant, funny moments and amplifying them, diffusing negativity and reminding him that he's perfect as the day I first met him. Here are a few things I remember written down before age makes them fuzzy and distant. Okay, before we proceed, you need to understand some terminology and how it's evolved over the years. Starting at age four, my son needed an enema every other night to clean out his system. I know I should say colon or digestive tract. I digress. Anyway. He poops ever so slowly, glacially, and left unchecked, he'd go every hour, hence the need for an enema to give him two days of peace. So at four, he began doing his enemas. No shame. He was little. What did he know? And he got old, as he got older, the enema term evolved into more clandestine but suspiciously named procedure, like it's time for your procedure. And now as eighth grade is in full gear, I just poked my head into his room. Look past his friends and say, you got to do something for me. Time for everyone to leave. I get it. No one wants to be different in middle school. So that is what he has to do to survive in this world. Understand, I tried my best to turn the situation into a positive. At least make it acceptable and in the best of times, something to admire. Before I proceed, I need to set something up. In addition, I have ulcerative colitis. Nothing serious now, but in my 20s and 30s, it was bad. It shaped my worldview. I became less adventurous, preferred being at home, definitely avoided camping and developed an almost supernatural power in finding a bathroom in any store. It was like radar. So when my son asked dad, why do I have to do these enemas when Kevin doesn't have to do them? I did my best to quote unquote, draw him a story where he was the hero son. I replied, if you were on a long hike, Kevin would have to poop every day, maybe twice. He'd have to stop, find a quiet place to do his business. You, on the other hand, could go for two days without stopping. You'd get to the end of the trail first. You almost have a superpower. And because of my colitis, I felt that, really believed that, really conveyed that to him. I I truly hope that took. Now, I realize enema power is a gift he'd gladly exchange, but he doesn't have that option. We just make the best of it. But if a power isn't enough to help him on his journey, then perhaps he's learned to laugh. One instance highlights this as well. It was in front of our house. My son was six. All the kids were surrounding my boy. I was eight feet away on the porch. I can't remember what they were playing, but they were moving around a lot. As my son's foot dug in for a run, a turd fell out of his pant leg. All the kids saw it. In that split second, I looked at my son's face It was like we practiced for this, but without hesitation, we both started laughing out loud. Holy crap, a turd just popped into our lives. All the other kids saw the adult laughing and must have guessed this was okay. At least a funny event, not limited to the kid who bore my last name. It was a pure dad thing to do, like grading our farts like Olympic judges or complimenting each other's burps. It wasn't practice, but it was who we were. But even so, as middle school bankrupts a kid's sense of humor... I see his resilience take hold. Frankly, that's all him. I am, however, a willing partner in any ridiculousness at hand. Lastly, one of the most important lessons I've learned, one that everyone should take to heart, is to drop the schedule when possible. Enemas, procedures, appointments, prepping, travel, and tests uh, all add up to feeling boxed in. These kids, like my son, well, their whole world is scheduled, so... Every year, my boy and I travel somewhere, mostly Maine as we are a struggling family. We have family up there that let us use their cabin. At the cabin, time shuts off. We schedule only things that demand it, like the start time to a movie, horseback riding, or ziplining. Other than that, I give him a break. Smell the flowers, kid. Forget where you have to be and just be. Remember that. Remember your spirit is more powerful and more eternal than the body that limits you. I won't be there the end of his life but hopefully he will have learned all of these things and taught them to others in need maybe to his own son or daughter and if so don't hold back on the fart jokes girls should be able to laugh at that stuff too (laughs) for now his future is exactly what it should be a mystery one that will unfold bringing challenges and joy i hope he remembers that his mom and i love him with all our hearts that we were amazed with him at his spirit and the way he overcame so much that he mattered that his hugs especially as an eighth grader are the reason we live we love you aiden that's
0: fantastic dave really fantastic right from the heart how does it feel to read it back mate
2: uh it's it's well first time i read it in his presence aiden come here here. here,
3: how do you feel because this is the first time you're hearing this
2: So, so, how do you feel about hearing all this gushy stuff?
1: Um, uh, not too bad. I'm, I'm used to you guys. I know how you guys feel about all this, and that's what I love about you guys. Oh, news! me through
0: everything. Aiden was just giving oh. his dad a pat on the head. And it was beautiful. Hello. <laughs> that's great, and to to have that relationship oh with God. your parents is just so important. And now we're going to go to the mom. How are you, Michelle? So you're wiping away a few tears there. How are you feel?
3: I don't, I need like five minutes. That's okay. <laughs>
0: That's okay. Just take your time.
2: We, we, it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, when we first, when we first came into the world, we got the whole Holland story, you know, you know, that famous story about like, you're going to Italy and instead you go to Holland or what's the other way around. Yeah. And so, you know, and, um, it really, it's like, there's, there's stuff that happens to us that, you know, if I could, you know, wave a magic wand and reverse everything I would, but, um, we've, we've really grown closer as a family and especially with you know families in this position, um, you know, divorce rate is high. And, and it is, and I, and there's no, no fault to anyone that succumbs to those things. But um, the fact that, you know, we've, we've stuck through a lot of stuff, you know, just, you know, we we still have a good relationship with each other. I think because we, we, we know how much we depend on each other. You know what I mean? It's, it's something that um, we don't want to feel isolated in, in our, for him for me or for her and uh and it's it's and and going to the the pull through network has been really essential because you we would feel like an island the three of us yes so like meeting you it was 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 just such a a breath of fresh air you know plus we love your accent so <laughs> <laughs> you know it's just like then there's all like international kind of component and stuff and you know it's it's we we really we really love all the people and very thankful. All
3: right, I'm going to do my best at this, but I don't know how good I'm going to be at this. <clears throat> so, let me You try will be this.
0: perfect. Don't worry. Okay, so and here we are, Michelle, Aiden's mom, with story number 93 in the book. She's going to share her story now. Okay.
3: My story is titled Life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass, it's about learning to dance in the rain. <laughs> I definitely did not create this, but it's a sign that hangs in our house and it's definitely fitting for our our family. How do I even begin to describe what being a mom to a young man born with IA is like? When I look at my 13 year old, my heart explodes. There is not one day that I take for granted with him, the good, the bad, and the ugly. On most challenging days, I hold on to each one of these with dear life. Aiden has pushed through so many surgeries and setbacks with an incredible will to never give up on himself. He's stronger than anyone I know, and I love his fiery spirit. His name Aiden means born of fire, the fiery one, little fiery one, in Gaelic, and he definitely matches that description. I can look back now at all that we've lived through with him, and I can admit that it wasn't always so easy to talk about Aiden's medical issues without endless tears. To this day, I still have not finished his baby book. Each time I've attempted to look
2: through the photos,
3: I'm immediately brought back to the early days and the anxiety rushes in like a tsunami. I'm not giving up and I know I'll finish that book one day, even if it takes me until his senior year in high school.
0: That's okay. Take your time. Okay.
3: Okay. There are so many words that immediately come to my mind when I think back to April 18th, 2007. Immediately, when they put that tiny baby in my arms, I felt so much love that I thought my heart would burst. A baby boy with a healthy pair of lungs. As the nurse whisked him away to complete the APGAR scoring, she gave me a reassuring smile that she'd return with him soon. Little did I know that my current state of bliss would change to feelings of panic and isolation in just under an hour. Approximately 30 to 45 minutes later, a team of medical personnel walked in without my baby, but with concerned looks on their faces. I had an epidural plus they had just given me some additional pain medication. So I wasn't the most coherent. I looked at my sister-in-law Lori's face when she asked where the baby was And she immediately left the room to get my husband. That was when I began to panic. I will never forget the feelings of shock and helplessness as my husband. And I heard these medical terms for the first time. Imperforate anus, anorectal malformation, fistula, and colostomy. From that moment on, life would be changed forever. We had no idea how incredibly challenging Aiden's first year of life would be. We had just brought our first home together that December, 2006. Our little boy would be born just a few months later. I had a pretty easygoing pregnancy up until 20 weeks when I started to bleed. It was a Saturday night and the hospital thought I had lost him only to find out 10 hours later that I actually had placenta previa and that the baby was okay. Months later, they would notice that my amniotic fluid was lower than typical. The doctors never seemed overly concerned. They would have me come in for ultrasounds to make sure everything was okay and kept tabs on my fluid level. At my 39 week checkup, they discovered that my fluid was half of what it typically should be, and so they made the decision to induce me. At no point did they ever tell me the the baby would have any issues. Now that I look back at it, his kidneys weren't functioning well which most likely caused the amniotic fluid to remain low. He was also born with a tethered cord, which I had no idea is linked to spina bifida. And I remember taking all kinds of tests during my pregnancy. And I was never told if my scores were anything to be concerned about. This happened during the years of 2006 to seven. It seems that now, however, some people are finding out ahead of time if their child has any IA or similar issues since we had just recently purchased our home, I was only able to afford three months of maternity leave. When I realized how involved his medical condition was, I asked my employer for an additional month off in order to make sure we found a medical team to help with his upcoming surgeries. The entire four months went by in the blink of an eye, and it was filled with nonstop research and meetings with surgeons at three different hospitals. Aiden's first surgery, the colostomy, was performed after he was 48 hours old. He wasn't allowed to eat anything since birth. Visions of us watching that poor baby rooting for food are forever burned into our brains. They explained the risks of surgery on a 48-hour infant and then had us sign pages of documents giving permission to perform the colostomy. We watched helplessly as they wheeled Aiden away to surgery, praying that everything would go well. Those days of the NICU are a blur, and it would take a full year, 2007 to 2008, to complete the necessary pull-through and colostomy reversal surgeries. During that same year, he had a rectum prolapse repair and an emergency surgery when his pull-through stitches dehissed, which means ruptured. As stressful as that year was, we were so happy to celebrate his first birthday with friends and family. And we asked everyone to consider making a donation to Dr. Pena's foundation in place of toys or other gifts. We couldn't think of a better gift to thank this incredible surgeon and his team. He gave our son, Aiden, the best quality of life, and we were forever in his debt. During that first year, a now late dear friend of ours, Tracy Wagner, researched and found an organization called the Pulse Through Network on the internet. We joined it immediately. We attended our first pull-through network convention in New Orleans in July 2010. We no longer felt so isolated and alone. We were finally in the presence of people that understood everything we were going through at the time. I finally exhaled and felt a little more like my old self again. Since his birth in 2007, Aiden has had 14 surgeries and the easiest by far being the Malone and the most stressful being a tie between the tethered cord release and a kidney repair. When Aiden was very young, we were warned he may never be able to do certain things. We never once told Aiden any of this as we wanted him to challenge himself. And he continues to grow and become his own person. He enjoys playing guitar, acting in plays, riding a scooter, skateboarding with his dad, going to boy Scouts, snowboarding, and most recently, had started taking golf lessons with a friend Mm -hmm. the year 2018 was one of the most challenging since the first year of his life Aiden had had kidney failure and had to have a nephrostomy tube installed twice within a month of each other I thought we may lose him and it was terrifying while recovering in the hospital he developed c diff and after spending a grueling month in the hospital he then had to continue to quarantine at home for an additional week that April, a decision had to be made to either remove the kidney or repair it. Aiden was 11 at the time, so we included him in the final decision. The surgeon explained the pros and cons of both and left it up to all of us. She go- gave us her cell number and asked that we text her our decision by 9 p.m. I will never forget looking at him as he said to us, I want the kidney repair. He said, I understand that if this repair doesn't work, then I'll lose the kidney. I just want to give my kidney a chance. The rest is history, and the kidney repair was a success. We have to continue to get ultrasounds and annual checkups at Nationwide to make sure that his kidneys are okay, but we're thankful that so far all is well. What started as the worst year for him medically, which was January through April of 2018, ended up with an incredible week at Youth Rally in Boulder, Colorado. This was the first time he was in a camp away from us for a week where he had to be responsible for his own Malone flushes. He grew up so much in that short week because he had to manage everything without mom or dad reminding him or being there to help him through. He knew he could ask any of the nurses for help, but he wanted to do it all on his own and he felt empowered. The first two days of camp, he was very homesick and I was ready to pick him up, but my husband kept telling me that he'll be okay and that this was normal. I had never been to a sleepaway camp ever in my life, so I had no idea how scary it could be. By the third day, I no longer received calls or texts and that made me even more nervous (laughs) as luck would have it. One of the counselors was a young man that we had met at a pull through network conference in Georgia. And when Aiden was only five, he checked on Aiden and reassured me that he was having a great time. Knowing that Frank was there definitely helped me relax a bit more. The main benefit of our son being born with IA is that we've been blessed with meeting so many incredible surgeons, nurses, and parents all going through the same or very similar issues as children, teens, and adults. We are especially blessed to have met so many adults living with IA. We continue to learn so much invaluable information from them. One IA adult in particular, Mr. Greg Ryan, has become an incredible friend and mentor. Early on, he shared with us this quote that even though IA is a life condition, never treat it as a life sentence. We absolutely love this and make sure that Aiden follows this mantra as well. No matter what life throws at our little family, we continue to learn how to dance in the rain of life. Thank you for
0: listening.
1: You got through it. Exactly.
0: That's Aiden just said, mom, you got through it. And for everybody, you won't see the video, but for most of that time, Aiden had his arm around his mom, helping helping her through it. I even had a bit of a tear myself. As Michelle just mentioned, I've been able to develop an incredible relationship with this wonderful family. And in 2019, I was over in America at a conference. And then I went to New York and I was invited by the guys to come to their place for Thanksgiving. It was the first Thanksgiving I'd ever met, been to and it was such Mm -hmm. a wonderful day and it meant so much to me so that's an example of what this family means to me
3: oh we love you greg
2: yep absolutely i'm gonna get something that was fun yeah it was great we gotta have you back for thanksgiving again (laughs) yeah
0: so okay what's what's the latest with aiden since the story was written six months ago how uh, everything going well
3: uh, everything's going well um we have scheduled his annual visit with nationwide for june 24th and fingers crossed everything's good he has no pain um yep. everything's working great Just knock on wood
0: yep.
3: and he's got his hat on his australian hat
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh there he is I took a uh, North Melbourne football club kangaroos hat over to give to Aiden when I was over there because that's my football team. So that's great, mate, that you're wearing it. I'm going to have to get a photo of that. <laughs> You've grown up so much, buddy. The most important thing is that Aiden, being now 14, parents will listen to the podcast who are just starting off on the journey and they'll be have so many worries and concerns and ang- anxiety about the future. But just to see what you as a family have been through and to see how Aiden's absolutely thriving at the moment. This will give the hope to people that no doctor could even tell them. Just to hear your story and to see how you are now as a 14-year-old and looking wonderful and doing so many things, it's, it's priceless. That's what it is. It's absolutely priceless. Yeah, Dave, how do, you, how do you feel listening to Michelle reading that?
2: like I said, in my story, I'm overwhelmed by her. I mean, Michelle is, uh, she just never gives up on this kid. And like her for, for me, when, when I, I almost feel like I can't keep up with her. You know, that's the thing that when I was at the conventions, like well, they were talking about how the moms, if the moms have an instinct, listen to the mom's instinct. That's one of the right. things that I remember hearing. They said, if she's thinking it and she's got a gut feeling and just go with it. Don't, don't question it. And, honestly she's uh one of the, one of the operations that he had was to remove a, a cyst that was in his nose and
3: unrelated to
2: unrelated I. unrelated to <clears> throat> and, throat> and basically um you know what happened was um we went to a number of doctors and a lot of them were like "Ah, it's okay wait he can wait he can wait you know because they were saying wait till he's older and he's 15 or 16 and then they'll There'll be enough skin that they can, you know, repair it like, you know, in a way that would be like more, you know, like plastic surgery type. We even see a, a plastic surgeon, but nobody was pressing and she just would not, there was this feeling inside her and she kept pressing and pressing. And finally, long story short, he got the operation from a doctor down in Philadelphia. And when I remember when he came out of the surgery, he said, uh, he said it was big really so it was it was, yes. it was big and it was really close to the it, brain it, to the brain barrier yeah. the, the the you know the the he said if you had waited any longer it would have been like it crack open a skull fatal. to get it and fatal it so like that's that's the type of thing that like you know a lot of the moms just have this maybe it's because they have the they share space with the baby you know and they have they develop this real strong connection you know, dads and all, we're like fart jokes and stuff, but like moms, <laughs> they're the real deal. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Michelle, what would your advice be to a mom that's just starting off on the journey now?
3: Uh, if I could tell myself before this happened, I would just say, breathe and uh make sure you find your village. Meaning like any type of organization, like pull through network saved my life because I really felt lost and, and he was two years old by the time we actually, um, went to, you know, found out about them. Right. So I would tell any young mom to like research. There's so many more, um, online chat groups and support groups like that didn't really exist, you know, um, when we had Aiden and I think, back to the women that i met that had children you know 30 years ago and and even your mom like there was no one that there were no groups no that's right so and and when people would say um i just don't know how you guys do it well you don't have a choice so you you do what you You have to do do it it. it's you're on survival mode right so one piece of advice would be don't neglect yourself because it's extremely easy to do right I did for too many years and mm-hmm. um, it's very critical that you take care of your own health because yeah. if you don't you're kind of useless to your child. Right. So yeah. I think true.
2: there's another thing that there's an there's another thing that like um, that I learned a lot about human nature is you know for any of these new parents you got to find like Michelle's your tribe. You got to find more people in the situation because Most people will ask about stuff with this eye towards, so when's it going to be all better?
0: The fixed mentality. Oh, yes. We have many many people people say that to us.
2: And, and, you know, I I don't fault anything with religion or anything like that, Mm. but a lot of times it would go, it's going to be a miracle. It's going to be a miracle. You watch, you watch. And... (laughs) When you went to the polluter network is. and some of it is, yeah, of course. I'm not, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that that can't No, happen. but you were they were right. saying
3: that there would be a miracle cure. Oh, and no, 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 right. there's no right. cure. You have to you have to live in the reality right. of And this is the situation and it's a medical condition
2: and you deal with it. Right. You you know. And the right. thing is when we went to the poultry network and we went to the conventions, we were able to talk to people who were just talking in reality. They get weren't it. like, you know, they weren't projecting ahead. And if there's going to be some sort of thing in the future, that's going to, you know, make it all better. And you could see almost people shutting down. They just didn't want to hear that this is going to be ongoing. You know, we're going to have to deal with this. And it's, you know, there's no, there's no finish line. And, you know, some people can't handle that. Like really some people cannot handle that. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, yeah. that's okay. They're not, there's nothing wrong with those people. They just... I'm just saying for the new parents you've got to find people who can speak your language yeah and you don't feel alone right
0: And that's why I, we're so passionate about what we've done in the foundation and so we can share stories so people don't feel alone like could you imagine like right. 14 years ago that where people actually were talking about their stories I imagine that would have been priceless for you although it could have
2: right. been theory yeah. as oh, well yeah. Down, amazing yep. yeah yeah you know when the first operation he had when we were in uh cincinnati we met a gentleman who was born in um was it early 60s right uh yeah and they didn't really know too much about it you know and i'm sure maybe a similar situation to what you went through um but like knowing that he had you know been through this you know changed our perspective and that was our i think our first person that we met right yeah. That guy, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, it's just, there's, it's an important thing and to know that you're not alone, which you're doing everything with the Facebook, the social media, the book, you know, the public speaking, Greg, it's just like, thank you so much for doing that. This is like an invaluable service and everyone at the pull through network um, for all they do and the and youth rally. I'm just so grateful. am just so grateful to all you guys.
0: At the least we, we can all do it as as I say to people, I don't want anyone living 52 years like I did without anyone knowing. And that's, mm. and not, I, so, I shouldn't say without anyone knowing, but knowing that I'm not alone. That's absolutely changed my life forever. So, Aiden, how do you feel about how we've listened to your mum and dad today and talking?
1: Well, hearing your guys' story, I mean, I know p- bits and pieces from just listening in <laughs> the <to> conversations, <Right. laughs> and I mean, it gives it gives you know insight onto what your life was like when you weren't there to experience
2: it for yourself. Right. You know, I have a question for Aiden, and this is something in relation to um, kids out there. If there are any kids listening, you know, like how do you, at this point in your life, you're at one of the most like socially uh, <laughs> important times in your life. You know um how do you deal with like you know who you tell like, well you know, i mean I'm, i just i just stick to people who i know i can trust like
1: my close friends you know people mm-hmm. i am not going to go around you know parading
2: that i have ia to my school
1: because right. i'm not sure how no, all of them are no, going to no, react no, it's, it's, yeah
2: but i mean like uh but do, do you think that uh so you're saying just the closest people that you can you can absolutely trust just share yeah. With them and do you share everything no, or do you share only part of it uh, like, bits
1: and pieces i mean i don't want to gross them out and make them not want to talk to me yeah we're, <laughs> but, all, kind
2: of, we're all kind of we have to remember that like poop is not
1: like a big deal to us <laughs> <You know? laughs> well i remember saying one time that the bathroom is my safe place that was that was a, that was a whole thing at a point in my life and i don't know why but it happened and it's over but
2: <laughs> it's
0: funny you say that about the bathroom being a safe place for me it was my sanctuary It was the only place where I could be myself because I was too scared to let anyone see what it was really like. So I can totally understand that perspective. Mm -hmm. Anyway, guys, it's been, it's been so wonderful. It's been emotional. It's been informative and, you know, I just, I can't thank you enough for everything you've done for me is being a friend and we've chatted Dave, Michelle, and we've chatted many times and, you know, when i've been going through some stuff as well and just have know you guys are always there for me it it makes so much a difference and i just wish covid would hurry up and clear so i can come over there and see you all in person again
2: absolutely oh my god it's gonna be it's gonna be like a rubber band snapping back everybody's just gonna travel i hope (laughs) we can all see each other again
1: yeah i mean that could be a good or a bad thing if everyone's traveling it could just
2: start back <laughs> mm-hmm. up again let's no. hope not don't change it right yeah. all right
0: well, thank guys thank you very so,
1: much for inviting us
0: thanks again for joining us on the rare and resilient one podcast five thousand it's just been truly wonderful and can't wait to see you guys again bye
1: yes we can't wait to see
3: you guys. we again miss too.
2: you we miss you greg take care
3: thank we'll you so you. much